Good morning, all of my loyal podcast listeners. Recording here on Tuesday evening. Sun is still out. Before you know it, daylight savings time will be upon us and we'll get an extra hour. I love when I log off from the day job and there's still uh, light outside and go walk the dog, walk, maybe to see the, the hound. If I'm feeling ambitious, maybe get a jog in. Um, you also just, you know, you, you keep the spirits up when it's light out. And I just got done watching the uh, the press conference from Rob Manfred. I think the players union is going to speak soon here. So hopefully I can kind of react to that in live time. But Definitely talking MLBPA. They are canceling games. First two series of Major League Baseball. Got some hot thoughts on that that I definitely got to get out there because, again, Jeff Passan, um, Jesse Rogers, both guys that are great at their job, uh, but they're just, again, tailoring, pandering towards the players, and it's, it's getting ridiculous. Here's what you're not thinking about when it comes to Major League Baseball and the CBA negotiations. Let's get to it. It's right here on episode 76 of the podcast. So it has been a wild last, I don't know, 36 hours, 24 hours, basically since the beginning of the day Monday when the self-imposed deadline that Major League Baseball put on the union, again, publicly saying it, and then doubling down after you know negotiations didn't really take off this past Saturday, saying, quote, a deadline is a deadline, to jumpstart the process, the owners put down, you know, this past Monday, February 28th, as the date that a deal needs to be consummated to to, to move forward and, and play opening day. And guess what? It worked. You remember on Monday evening when things started getting serious? Things get started getting quiet, eerily quiet. It meant because nobody was talking publicly because they're in there in the room gutting this thing down and trying to get something something square. That's exactly what a deadline does. It's a tactic. It's a strategy. You don't have to be a, a business Einstein to understand that. But you wouldn't have known that the past two weeks. All you probably heard was the media talking about how the owners are ruining the game, that they don't care about the fans, and that really they're just greedy pigs. No, they're really just doing what this is. Negotiating. Implementing strategy trying to get the best deal that they possibly can for their side. That's exactly what this lockout was designed for. Yeah, it's not the best thing to be happening. Sure, you would have rather have had a deal prior to the previous CBA expiring. Sure, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Sometimes you got a lot of things that you need to correct or hammer out because based off what the union's saying, you know, they, they may not agree on a lot of things. And Virtually everything is in disagreement here between the union and the owner. So the lockout happened to expedite the process. And then they put a deadline down. It was a tactic to see if the union would take it seriously. And guess what? The union did. And it was to their benefit as well. You see, the union actually made some strides. They found out once they said, okay, you know what? They might actually be serious here. If we don't get a deal done on Monday, they may cancel the games. So what did the union do? They put together a serious offer. That's exactly what the owners wanted. And then to the union side, they actually saw some concessions that the uh, owners were willing to make. So guess what? It worked to the benefit of both. And now we're at the point where no CBA was ult- uh, ultimately struck. And that's okay because head, uh, you know, headway was made and we're going to miss some ball games. And I'm disappointed about that. But this idea that like 
there's some epic failure. Not quite. Like, let, let's recall here. You know, they extended the deadline. <laughs> you know, they said, nah, we're, we're going to go till Tuesday. Yep, you remember that deadline we said? Yeah, no more. <laughs> it's now Tuesday. So, Rob Manfred is now canceled two series. But guess what? Maybe they come on Thursday and strike a deal, hammer this thing out, and say, yeah, guess what? Opening day, back on. Spring training, report in five days. Three weeks, boom. March 31st, opening day. Or, hey, we're pushing it back a day. April 1st. And off day, one of those is off the board now during the regular season. Instead of uh, uh, 20 of those, you get 19. Everything's negotiable. That's what, I mean, this is hopefully teaching some folks is that, you know, you can say what you want publicly, but ultimately it's just like, what does the other, you know, uh, concede? What is the other telling you? There are strategies and tactics out there that, you know, it's there for a reason. For instance, negotiating through the media. That is obviously very big deal to the owners and trying to do this thing. The union, like I just saw a push to my phone here. They put out a statement. They're not really talking all that much because they want to be, uh, 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 they want to be seen as the good guys and the ones that are doing this the right way. Something that's fair. Yeah. You know where that got you? The past two CBAs fucking nowhere, no money, no cash. That's in the owner's pocket. And you know what they're doing? They're, they're trying to shit all over you. And I'm not even saying that it's working, but some of these things that they're going public with, like the deadline, that's fucking working. And right now, they know where you are. And the idea that the MLBPA has any idea on how to go about this, I'm sorry, but in your proposals, it's telling me here that this uh, the luxury tax is your main crux in, in what is holding this whole thing up, which is fucking ridiculous to me. Yeah, you're getting 700K to the uh, youngest players, the years one, two, three on an MLB roster. And you said that was your goal, get the youngest players paid more. And that's what the uh, owners suggested here. They're going to give you a 700K for the first three years of players that enter Major League Baseball. The luxury tax has nothing to do with any of the teams outside of like five clubs, the Giants, Yankees, Dodgers, Red Sox. They put up a, a, a picture on MLB Network. There's been a total of like seven teams over the past five years that have exceeded the luxury tax. And five of them have been one team, repeat offenders, the Dodgers. So this whole luxury tax idea, raising it, that's the idea on the union side of things. It doesn't even fucking, it's not suitable. It's not conducive to what you're trying to fucking do. And that's get the main or the youngest players paid more. So this whole approach from the PA seems pretty screwy. Seems pretty screwy, and it's actually the opposite of what you're trying to get done here. Now, ultimately, you know, this is not a good thing. I'm not saying that, you know, today is a a win for anyone. But, you know, the PA, they keep talking about wanting to get more money to younger players, and they got this, uh, uh, this arbitration pool, which is a good idea. Ultimately, it's not that much money that they're asking for, and really it only affects a small percentage of players. The luxury tax is for the Max Scherzers, the guy that's actually in these meetings, uh, uh, even an Andrew Miller, a, a guy who was a great reliever at one point. Th- that affects guys like Mike Trout and, and, and the high art here, the, the high-profile players of the league. Really, 
the middle class has to be sitting here thinking this affects nothing. We are still going to get squeezed like never before. We're going to be the ones that are hunting margins, trying to take one-year pillow deals, having to prove it on an MLB roster that you know pays us three or four million a year, pennies on the dollar. And guess what? That's just the middle class in America, whether it's Major League Baseball or uh, uh, or, or any other industry. Because think about it. If you have John in your sales department and John starts off making uh, crumbs and then he does really well and performs at a high level and then the sales company that he's with says, dang, we really have to raise John's salary. Otherwise, he's going to leave and someone else will pay him more. So then you pay John, he continues to do well, he earns more money, and next thing you know, John is the highest paid employee at your company. But then John, after he makes 500K or 600K or whatever the hell it is, and he starts to cut corners, maybe doesn't follow the rules, shows up late, is a little pain in the ass in dealing with his bosses, then you realize, hmm... You know what? Maybe this 500K is not worth it with John. He's become a real big headache. Same kind of philosophy with players. Once you age, we don't want to pay as much anymore. So really, this whole idea that the luxury tax is going to save baseball and save more money going to more players is fucking ridiculous. It's this small window of in-your-prime elite stars from age... 27 to 32 and it's not that much money when it's all said and done so the players are saying one thing and then their proposals are saying another as far as what's important to them because under the current cba guess what mike trout is still going to make 35 million dollars garrett cole 35 million dollars it doesn't matter if you raise the cbt the the competitive balance tax 20 million or 30 million owners that don't go there aren't going to go there and they're just going to find the cheaper players, because there's so many of them willing to uh, play one at, well, they don't get to choose. They have to play at that price, and you can still field a championship club with them. So the way to do this is not to raise the CBT floor. You have to find the money to them sooner at the lower level. So you're either A, idiots, or B, lying to us. And that's what the media will not say to you. But, you know, the owners... They're the greedy pigs. It's easier to watch the press conference with Rob Manfred and just, you know, hate him because he's who you see. The owners don't speak. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just the media in 2022. But the real issue here is that the MLBPA is telling you one thing as far as their priorities, but the proposals that are getting leaked out there, it's saying another. So one thing that, was abundantly clear to me is that Rob Manfred, who I think, as you know, just gets shit on for no reason. He's just the guy that talks, even though he's really just speaking for the owners. It's it's unfair in a lot of ways. I will say he's just got some negative fucking energy at the podium. Like it's pretty bad and pretty stark of a difference compared to Roger Goodell. If you were to put on a Roger Goodell press conference, which, you know, the NFL really doesn't have him speak that much anymore because um, they, they just found from a rating standpoint and, you know, PR standpoint, it's better, um, to talk less and, you know, maybe major league baseball should follow suit. But if you were just to, you know, throw on a press conference of Roger Goodell talking to national media or reporters or whatever, 
and you muted the TV, I would have no idea what the topic may be or what he might be being asked from a reporter because he's just so neutral and he's just so uh, even. He doesn't react emotionally. But with Rob Manfred, you know, it's pretty clear he is losing the battle with the public a large part because he is just bad at like presenting. He doesn't seem to care what he's projecting out there every time he speaks. Today, it was just total, total defense mode. And maybe the owners instructed him to do that, but it's also his job to show what the owners put forth and to defend them, but then also remain uh, in the middle between the owners and the players. And he just doesn't do that. You can just tell he's he's reacting in a frustrated way, um, and, and he's reacting in a way that kind of sends the message that he just doesn't believe the public gets it from an owner's perspective. Like we don't understand why the owners see things the way that they do. And, and, and it got me thinking, you know, Roger Goodell, I, I worked briefly, you know, in St. Louis media and still had some connections recently actually turned down a job to, to get back into to radio here in St. Louis. And, you know, it was, it was disappointing. But, um, you know, there's a there's a reason for everything they say. And, you know, never say never on uh, on reopening or revisiting things. But, you know, there's a person in St. Louis media that I know that just texts regularly with Roger Goodell. And there's multiple people here in St. Louis. And we don't even have a fucking team. So that's where I think maybe is Rob Manfred slipping a little bit? Like, is he not making more of an effort to you know, get on a, a more text basis or just, you know, regular personal basis with uh, the Bob Nightingales of the world, the Jeff Passons of the world, uh, Buster Olney's of the world, Jason Stark, um, you know, obviously MLB Network, you know, he, he, he employs all of them. So that's a little bit different. So Ken Rosenthal, Tom Verducci, another like Joel Sherman, NY Post, like those are guys that you need to start leaking and when I say leaking, also just back channel ways of kind of getting your message out so that the public understands what you're trying to do here and you have more people in your corner. Because right now it just seems like they're just trying to like hide the story and just give very minimal details and, you know, just act like, oh, you you know, you don't get it. You don't understand. And it's, it's not doing you any favors. And, and, you know, I try to defend the owners, but right now it's just like, man, Fred, you're, you're coming up to the podium and before every answer, he's like, you know, look. And then he goes on to say whatever the hell he says. And, and it's just really bad right now. And it just makes me think, you know, the NFL is really good about this. Like Robert Kraft, the Roonies, the Maras, any of those local guys that cover that team, they have their fucking phone number. And they're, you know, flipping through uh, each and every week. Anytime a story's out, asking them this, seeing if they respond. Anytime something huge drops, you bet your ass the owner probably responds because they know the ear that, you know, that reporter or radio host or whomever the hell has with their market. And they want to know or they want to put out there their side of the story without sometimes just going directly public with. It's the same with agents. It's the same with players. And it's a game that you have to play. I'm not even saying you have to dog or uh, be down on anyone, but it's just more so about, you know, making sure that you smooth things over because right now, Man, it's bad. Everybody hates the owners. Everybody hates Rob Manfred. And they need to do a better job of just, you know, trying to win the uh, public relations 
uh, way. And, you know, I mentioned, you know, they're doing some things in these negotiations, and but that's more tactical. You know, that's more strategy and getting the deal done. This is just more so in being in good graces with uh, the rest of us. And, you know, right now, you're just not doing it. So Tony Clark just spoke, and he seems to be frustrated yet proud of all of uh, the people that helped in the you know, player side of things like Max Scherzer and uh, Andrew Miller and company. So it, it, it's it's strange, but it's also understandable. The owners locked out the player. So yeah, like responsibility, me, I mean, I tend to think it's both of them, but yes, whoever locks out owners or strikes players, that's who ultimately is responsible for this. The thing that's just concerning to me is that like, Tony Clark, ever since he took over as union leader, seems to just be this type of guy that isn't interested in negotiating rather than competing. And that, that's just the wrong fucking mindset, man. Like, your job is to negotiate with the owners. That That is what you are paid to do. You are supposed to get a deal that favors, hopefully, your guys, the union. It doesn't always happen. Got hose on the last two deals. That's why I think Tony Clark is bad at what he does. And it's why he should not be reelected. But your job is to strike a deal, broker a deal. It's not to sit here and play hardball. And that's what you've done. And where has it got you? Nowhere. Yeah, we got canceled games. Part of that's on the owners too because they didn't get a deal done. But this idea that like, oh, you should go into Wednesday happy that you're unionized and you're strong. Guys, it's not working. A deal hasn't got there. Yeah, there's been progress made. And hopefully you build off of it. But ultimately, it's just like, no, you're losing in this. Players lose more from no games than owners. Yeah, because you didn't get more revenue in the past two CBAs. So, you know, the fact that, you know, he's frustrated. I could see some frustration, but he's also like happy with the way they went about it. Bro, it wasn't fucking working. You know, you should have been trying to get a new CBA before the other one expired. Yeah, that was the case then. And it's even more so now because otherwise... That's what happens. You get fucking locked out. Like Tony Clark, this guy who just wants to be a bulldog and take no prisoners, we're going to get what we deserve. You're you're carrying that through in proposals and, and, you know, these press conferences. Has it really got you anywhere? I mean, you, you played into the hand of the commissioner and the owners by, you know, agreeing to this deadline or succumbing to this deadline. Uh, that was on Tuesday originally, or uh, Monday the 28th, and now and then uh, Tuesday the March 1st. And again, I thought it was you know good because it did create urgency to to get a deal done. But ultimately, it didn't actually fucking happen. So really, like they, they are winning from you know a, a tactical standpoint, the owners. So they're they're ahead so far in negotiations, and it doesn't matter until the 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 dotted line is signed, but. Yeah, Tony Clark, man, it's this guy, I hope, is not representing the players going forward because, you know, one, they've gotten hosed. Two, he seems to be taking this stance like they're going to come out on top when that's never going to fucking happen. You're the players. Owners always come out on top. It's why they own the team. It's profitable for them. Why do you think you're going to fucking win? You're not. So Kyler Murray's agent came out. Uh, with a statement on Monday. It was actually really hard to read. It was like an all caps, very small font. 
uh, but yet very lengthy. And it was reminding me of Enkeel Harry's agent, who I looked him up, didn't even know his fucking name. Now, Eric Burkhart is a more successful owner, has some big name guys, actually Cliff Kingsbury. But I remember when Enkeel Harry's agent came out with one of those posts before the 2021 season. And then Enkeel Harry, as we all know, is you know still on the Patriots. Yeah, it, it, it didn't work. This little threatening post about exploring a trade and talking about all of the achievements Enkeel Harry had. Kyler Murray's agent did the same thing. And the thing about Enkeel Harry's agent is that this guy, clearly no name, trying to get a, a jump start in his career, is trying to take a hardline stance, swing for the fences, and knock it out of the park against the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Well, yeah, you struck out swinging. And now you got Kyler Murray and his agent doing something similar. And, of course, more successful player, quarterback, better agent. So perhaps it works out. But it's just another one of those things where Kyler's over here, you know, keeps pointing at himself about what he's done and how great he is. And, you know, we we have it on tape. It's just his body language, negativity. Doesn't seem to be, from all the reports out there, just a guy's guy. You know, he, he can't really relate to guys like other quarterbacks do. And he's not really a guy that really wants to be a leader, which, you know, you say it with sometimes with other quarterbacks like a Jay Cutler. I know uh, Justin Herbert had this knot coming out in college. Like, you know, you like him as a player. You like what he brings. But it's just like, God, he just doesn't really galvanize his teammates. And Kyler Murray, I guess, is like that too. And that's why I said this whole thing with Murray and the Cardinals – Trade him to the Ravens and try and get Lamar Jackson. See what the Ravens have to say. I really think this could be a rare opportunity, one for one, that could work out for both teams. The Ravens, they haven't negotiated a contract with uh, with Lamar Jackson for obvious reasons. They could do it. They say one thing, but they're, they haven't struck a deal. And Lamar, again, negotiating himself, which is unwise on his part, I, I think, but again, you know, he, he can do what he wants. The Ravens probably have a tough time negotiating with a player. It's just, you know, it's different. It's hard. I think the Ravens might say, you know what? Get a traditional quarterback, and we may have uh, just to put the fifth-year tag on him, and then he'll have to prove it here with us so we don't have to pay him immediately. We can kind of just see how this plays out and get a cheaper uh, year, an additional cheaper year or two when you include the fifth-year option with Murray at quarterback. A cheaper quarterback build around him and play great football. Whereas the Cardinals, they're now in this sticky situation where it's just like, you have to start over at quarterback if you do not pay him, or you have to give him a mega deal that he's probably not worth. So what do you do? I think it would be a benefit to bring in Lamar Jackson. This is a guy that's high character. Again, I don't love his game, but they're probably be, uh, they would probably be willing to pay him top dollar. And then you got a guy that can play on turf, and you can build around him. And you got Cliff Kingsbury, who obviously knows offense, can scheme open offense. He could certainly build an offense around Lamar Jackson. So I think it could potentially be a win-win for both sides. And they should certainly revisit because, you know, Murray, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big fan of the guy. Never really have been. I've noticed that he's, you know, broken down. He's small. There are clear issues with him being at the height that he is. He can't see over guys. There's just some passes he, he doesn't see. And, you know, he, he's taken this stance in Arizona that, you know, it didn't work for Enkeel Harry. 
I don't think it's going to work out here in Arizona. And I think Arizona, maybe the easiest thing to do is just call Baltimore and see if they want to swap at the quarterback position. Now, the union is smart enough to know that players are the game. Invest in the product. And I understand that. Yeah, the players are the game. Um, However, you know, a big reason why this is failing is we mentioned Andrew Miller, Max Scherzer, Noah Syndergaard, Trey Turner, Patrick Corbin, Brad Hand. Those are all guys that are also in these meetings and the negotiations. All guys that you and I know, if, if you watch baseball, all guys that are not really largely affected by any of this because they are elite at what they do as a player. Everything that they are claiming to be standing for, it's not even being uh, uh, negotiated or ran by the people it's going to affect. Like, you have Trey Turner and Brad Hand trying to negotiate. Again, you know, they're sitting in on it, maybe listening. You know, I don't know all that they're contributing. I don't think it's all that much. But it's guys that are well past these CBAs, uh, uh, the, these rules and regulations that they're trying to change. So, yeah, are they trying to do a solid for those below them? Yeah. But ultimately, that's the leverage that owners have. They understand that these guys... It's not going to fucking affect them. That's why in football, they always get hosed on revenue sharing. That's why they always negotiate less practice days, less contact, less double days, uh, but, you know, better uh, uh, charter flights on, on away games. It's all stuff that affects them. And with the players in Major League Baseball, I just think that, you know, the reason you're going to lose this is, is in large part that the people that are in these, you know, conference rooms or in Jupiter, Florida at the Cardinals complex. It's guys that, you know, have already made their bucks. Like Syndergaard is going to make 21 million this year. If, and when I shouldn't say if, when major league baseball comes back, like it's already set. Andrew Miller, he, he took home like what? 50 million for the Cardinals. Like these guys ultimately just to get a deal done. Like they're going to, they're going to flinch first. They're going to blink. So I, I would think that maybe you should have more educated guy, and I'm not, not calling these guys dumb, but maybe just your sharpest guys that don't make that much money who this is affecting right now really be in these, room, uh, these rooms to help fight for this because that's the only way it's going to happen if you want to get the deal that you tell me you want to have because I, I just right now, I don't think you got the right folks. You certainly don't have the right proposals, like I said earlier. It's just going to lead to the same old outcome. Appreciate everybody listening. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Major League Baseball CBA edition of the podcast. Hopefully by the time we are speaking next week, Major League Baseball will have publicly announced that they are back to uh, being uh, on the diamond and at spring training in Arizona and Florida. Fingers crossed. Uh, Today was fun to tune into, fun to watch. Uh, but ultimately, we want the game back on the diamond. So thanks so much. Share with your friends. We are everywhere where you get your podcasts. Hit up the text line, 816-226-7483. Call line as well. Play it right here on the show. Again, it's 816-226-7483. Share with your friends. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.